0: Hello, everyone. Before we kick off, I just want to say a really big thank you to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us on our highest Patreon tier, Rainbow Parent. We like you very much. On with the show, then. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast. Celebrating the best
1: and worst...
0: In LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time.
1: I'm Rowan Ellis.
0: And I am Jazza John.
1: Each episode, we discuss a queer movie from a different genre of cinema.
0: This episode's genre is... Queer Queer Adaptation! Adaptation. Adaptation. Mmm, glorious. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest manifestation of Harry Styles' lockdown hobby, acting, with the film adaptation of the book by Bethan Roberts... My policeman.
1: But before we see if we can make this 1950s thruple work, Jazza, what's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode?
0: Well, we just had Halloween. We and did Halloween indeed. is, of course, gay Christmas. And I hate dressing up, but because I have uh, some friends who are professional drag queens, they make me. So I came up with the hugely original, never before done uh, idea of being a lesbian Velma. Because um, lesbian is now canonically Velma.
1: Mm. Hmm. Stunning.
0: But not only was I lesbian Velma, so I had uh, the orange turtle and everything. But I also decided to make it slutty because that makes it. That's a gay Happy Halloween, Halloween costume, isn't it? As I was looking around H and M, as one does when you are last minute shopping for a Halloween costume, there were a surprising number of turtleneck options, some woolen, some made of some stretchy fabric that definitely isn't biodegradable. Uh, among these was a beautiful, extra small, stretchy, crop top turtleneck in the appropriate colour. Thank
1: goodness it was stretchy.
0: <laughs> I, thank goodness it was stretchy. Luckily enough, my uh, AAA cup of boobs uh, beautifully filled Those out the rose shirt.
1: Those rowers pectorals could not be contained within For a life. non-stretchy, extra small top. <laughs>
0: 100% and I sat there looking great um, freezing my ass off in the smoking area of this party that mm. I went to draped in the lesbian flag yeah. that I had uh, purchased as part of my outfit
1: rude of Velma to not wear a coat canonically
0: <laughs> how dare she um, I can confirm that polyester pride flags are not the best thing at maintaining heat and maintaining warmth in a British autumn but there you go I've learnt my lesson Good to know. and I will probably make the same area again how about you what was your gay thing
1: you know what, why not? I'll do Halloween is inherently gay Christmas. So I will do my Halloween costume as well. So I dressed up as a pirate mm-hmm. in Disneyland, Paris, and it was a blue pirate. And so I think pirates are gay because obviously, you know, our flag means death, black sails. Simply true. But mm-hmm. also Elizabeth Swan. Elizabeth as, Swan, um, the bisexual yeah, yeah, awakening yeah. for many. And so that alone is is gay. But also because I was in Disney I decided and I was blue I decided that I was a member of the pirate gang from Descendants which is run by Ursula's daughter
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and as we all know Ursula is a drag queen so it came full circle everything was very gay and it was the exactly the perfect temperature of costume to wear because I overheat very easily and it turns out when you're doing like a historically piratey thing that isn't just slutty (laughs) you have like the pirate shirt but also the dress but also the corset Mm -hmm. yeah i simply chose a character who wore layers
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, much smarter i mean in many ways
1: practical lesbian over here
0: yeah you're you're just layers upon gay upon gay upon gay of like uh, adult disney gaying in a practical outfit that also has queer undertones Mm -hmm. really high quality good job thank you In this episode, we are going to first talk about the main man, Harry Styles, and how his lockdown project of becoming a serious film actor uh, is is developing. How's that going, Harry? And then I'm also going to be giving a little bit of a snapshot into what 1950s gay life was like, seeing as this is indeed a period piece.
1: We will then be reviewing the plot and splitting it, as always... Into three acts. As such, we will be spoiling all of this movie. So, if you would not like to be spoiled before you watch it, it is currently available on Amazon Prime. So, pause this, off your trot, uh, have a little watch, and then you can come back when you're ready.
0: Very good. Welcome back for everybody who did trot off. Without further ado, let's sensually poke each other in the neck and review My Policeman. <laughs>
1: Okay so when we plan these episodes we talk about like what potential context or ideas that surround the movie that we want to talk about as well as the plot itself and uh, it's difficult not to talk about Harry Styles here because I think that considering this was one of his first like major projects in acting he's only really done four so far right so he did like bit part in Dunkirk little cameo in The Eternals and then Don't Worry Darling which he wasn't originally meant to star in and now this is his first like it's me, I'm Harry Styles doing acting.
0: Role. And I'm, and is the lead role. Yeah. Well, one of the leads. One
1: of the leads. And so I think that a lot of people were very interested in this movie just for that reason, purely alone. But I also think people are interested in it because Harry Styles, to a lot of people who like to parasocially consume celebrities yeah. on the internet, <laughs> is Schrodinger's queer in that uh, he has a fandom that from the very beginning of him being in this boy band One Direction, don't know if you've heard of it, pretty underground. There was like speculation that he was in a relationship with one of his bandmates. There was speculation he was dating various other like male celebrities or or public figures. And that has kind of continued onwards. And it has been fueled in those areas of the internet, I would say, by the gender expression of some of Harry Styles uh, like outfits on tour or in like magazine shoots, things like that. So he's worn mm-hmm. dresses and skirts, he's worn like sequins and boas and like a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily consider traditionally masculine. Mm-hmm. And it's worth pointing out here that someone's gender expression does no no links necessarily to their gender identity and or sexuality. But for a lot of people, this was like evidence of him engaging in queerness in some way.
0: Groundbreaking insights, Rowan, as always. Um, this has become so prominent. I went to the V&A's Fashioning Masculinity Exhibition, and the dress that he wore in the Vogue photo shoot, the big, like, frilly, puffy dress. Puffy is in, like, voluminous, not the other use of the word puffy. It's, it's there. It's, like, the final exhibit alongside Billy Porter's uh, tuxedo dress mm-hmm. and uh, Bimini is, uh final look on r- the runway for Drag
1: Race Season 2 UK. Stunning. Amazing. Stunning. Go and see it, guys. It's worth Mm. it. And so there's definitely a lot of conversations around Harry Styles, but it's also part of a wider conversation, I think, around these discussions of now that we're in a point at which some people do feel able to come out, some people in the public eye do feel able to talk about their sexuality, their gender, their gender identity, whereas before it was totally impossible for anyone to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, because some people feel safe, there is this expectation from some people that everyone should do it. They have an obligation to do it or that this is something that they should be kind of pressured into doing. Because I think still for a lot of people, the idea of like being out is linked to being honest and morally virtuous. And like all of these things. And that if you're not out, then it's somehow like a flaw in your character or there mm-hmm. is something like inherently deceptive about what you're doing. And that goes, I think, for both sexuality and gender in in sort of slightly different ways. And we've seen most recently this come to like a really horrible head with uh Kit Connor feeling like he has to out himself as bisexual because he was getting so much harassment for like various various sides of this for being for queer baiting, even though that's not a thing a real person can do, or for being deceptive or for like not coming out, or you know, all of these things. And so this conversation around Harry Styles is like within this backdrop of that. And he, uh, as far as I know, has never said that he's part of the LGBTQ plus community. He's, he's made these comments like, you've only publicly, sometimes people say you've only publicly been with women and I don't think I've publicly been with anyone which is not a yes, not a no kind of answer.
0: It's also not a true. Like he, he clearly has publicly been with women. Yeah.
1: It's also, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that the way he's dressing in photo shoots and on tour is not like some dude deciding to wear a dress. It's someone who has marketers and stylists and PR people and like career coaches and a ton of people deciding what he's going to be wearing mm-hmm. rather than it necessarily being an authentic representation of his own gender expression. Mm-hmm. And so with all of this like conversation in mind, he as one of his first acting projects decides to play the lead in a movie in which he will be playing a, a gay man or at least a queer man. I think it's ambiguous in the text as to whether or not he has like uh romantic and sexual feelings for the- his wife or whether it is purely a sort of like loving platonic meeting of minds type relationship. Mm-hmm. So, Yes, that's kind of like the interesting Harry Styles backdrop to this. And I think it's particularly interesting that he's decided on this within all of this discussion to be a role that he's decided to play.
0: Mm -hmm. And was going to be the first leading role that he played. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because don't worry, darling, he was parachuted in after Shia LaBeouf didn't happen.
1: Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, there's there's this idea of like, like I said, Schrodinger's queer, where Harry Styles is either a closeted or you know not interested in putting labels on queer person who is taking this role because it will allow him to express some element of queerness within his art openly as a character rather than necessarily needing to like put it in his music or open Mm -hmm. up about it publicly as himself or he is a straight dude who has potentially exploited the queer audience he has by never explicitly saying he's straight and then you know dressing in a certain way acting in certain roles that mm-hmm. will give them fuel for these like conspiracy theories about him
0: and keep people talking about
1: and him. keep people talking about him right and i my general take on this is like sure either one of those might be true but in trying to interrogate psychoanalyze force someone to make a decision either way or you know, be really angry at the idea it might be the latter and that he's manipulating people and exploiting people and stuff. We run the risk of in pressuring this person, ending up having to pressure other people within that space, including people like Kit Connor, mm-hmm. who are by but not either like ready or interested or wanting to come out and use that word or discuss it publicly. And mm-hmm. I I my personal feeling about it is that it is never like the justice you think you're doing in like outing a straight person who's like potentially exploiting the community with their art is never going to be worth the payoff of like damaging actual queer people who are not openly queer who need that support
0: mm-hmm. yeah 100% it, it, like Kit Conner is not the only person to have gone through this.
1: Not at all. Just the most recent. Like
0: we've talked about the author of Simon mm-hmm. and the
1: Love Simon. Becky Abatale.
0: Yeah. Who went through a similar thing, going through lots of criticism yep. of writing back queer characters and then felt forced to come out as well. Um and so yeah, it's like it's a weird catch mm-hmm. twenty-two to be in. Like there is a huge spectrum of ambiguity in terms of what is the Harry Styles phenomenon. And it's okay that we don't know.
1: Yeah. And so I think it's also important to conclude that any criticism we do of Harry Styles' acting is not driven by any of this background discourse and is in fact an extremely objective observation by two people watching a movie with a dude in it who arguably is not a great actor.
0: He's not a great actor. I don't feel like I have to put the word arguably in front of it. There's been enough there's been enough okay. a people who have said that this isn't a fantastic performance. And oh boy, is, I, is he out of his depth.
1: And also I think it's important at this point to point out that like this movie has been and always was going to be taken over by the discussion around the fact it's like Harry Styles' like lead role break. Because I would also argue that in Don't Worry Darling he's mm-hmm. not really a lead well, character. Well,
0: in this one, Harry Styles' name appears in the opening credits before the name of the movie
1: Ooh, interesting but it's also worth noting Emma Corrin is in this movie for example as well who um they are a queer actor themselves I mean Rupert Everett obviously as well who famously has talked about a lack of roles coming to him after he came out as gay that's something he's talked about a lot and he is fantastic in this movie and so there's just a there's like other there's actual queer people in this movie who are playing these roles and i would argue you know maybe let down by the direction and the writing and like the things around them but like as performances are putting in lovely performances um and sometimes like very excellent ones
0: i did a quick google and i can confirm david dawson who plays the younger rupert Everett, who plays patrick is also a gay man All all of the queers all together
1: they're here so that's kind of the i guess Context around it, like meta context of what's going on, but... Mm-hmm.
0: Schrodinger's queer.
1: Schrodinger's queer. But Jazza, also, I know that you want to talk about the like more historical context of when this is set, because it does give a backdrop to the very like... Tense, dramatic, secretive story, love story that happens within the movie.
0: Yeah, and I actually think this is one of the triumphs of this <laughs> triumph, maybe big word. One of the better bits of this movie is the depiction of what it's like to be in the underground gay male scene in Brighton in the 1950s. So the 1950s were a particularly wrought time to be, especially a gay man, because of the. Kind of like spin-off of the Lavender Peril, which was uh, like the the red peril in the United States. Some individuals who defected to the Soviet Union during the Cold War ended up being outed as members of the LGBT community. In the UK, there are a couple of notable ones of this that were uh, talked about widely in the press, Guy Burgess and Don McLean, who were bi and gay men. And... Off of the back of that and that fear of queer people being complicit in the Soviet side of the Cold War. There were a huge increase in crackdown of male vices and perversions, as they were talked about at the time. It got to the point where about a thousand men were arrested in the UK every year for committing buggery offences, which are the same offences that Oscar Wilde was arrested for in the 1800s. In the 1950s, this all came to kind of a huge head with the arresting and prosecution of Peter Wildblood, who was a Daily Mail journalist, and Lord Montague, who was a lord. So they were convicted under those same buggery laws, and it was... Quite the scandal at the time, where it was front page news, this trial really hooked the nation and catapulted gay rights and the laws around homosexual relationships to the forefront of like the public consciousness. To the point where the government of 1954 ended up commissioning a thing called the Wolfenden Report, which was run by Sir John Wolfenden where they essentially interviewed a load of like psychologists, a load of people in the public sphere, lawmakers, public prosecutors, etc. People who were intersecting with the experience of prosecuting gay men under, under these laws. One of the things that I do quite enjoy about this particular report is that they had to use pseudonyms for homosexuals and prostitutes, which were meant to be the the focal point of the report of the time, so they called homosexuals Huntleys and uh, prostitutes Palmers because they were women in the committee um, and they didn't want to uh, shock women by using those words again and again, and uh, Huntleys and Palmers are biscuit manufacturers, so they were going around uh, using these biscuit euphemisms as a way of being able to not damage the ears of the poor women folk. The Wolfenden Report ended up publishing in 1957 and it had its recommendations to decriminalise homosexuality. It then took 10 years for legislation to pass. So 1967 was when buggery was decriminalised. And then obviously that was the end of the gay rights movement and we got all of our rights and we never had to fight for anything again.
1: And it was so fantastic
0: not so in 67 the age of consent for gamer relationships was 21 which was when you were considered an adult by the state at the time and that wasn't equalized until the year 2000 and obviously there's regional differences as well scotland decriminalized it a lot later than england and wales which were 1980s and northern ireland as we know Little bit slow too, but yeah, the parts of especially Patrick's life that we see in flashbacks in this movie that show the clandestine nature of going into cruising spots, the use of um, places for cottaging, and the abuse by people in power by members of the police against homosexual men is, I think, one of the better parts of this movie in like its um, documentation of those of those experiences.
1: Stunning bit of history there from Jazza.
0: You're welcome. I know you didn't say thank you, but you're welcome anyway. (laughs) Shall we go into talking about... The
1: movie itself.
0: Harry and co? (laughs) Harry
1: and co. Let's. (laughs) So as loyal listeners of the show will know, we split the movie into three acts, and then we name each of the acts. Jazza. What is the name of the first act?
0: The name of the first act is Thank God for Rupert Everett, because otherwise there'd be some pretty flat performances throughout this whole movie. I just want to give a moment to Rupert Everett as, like... Kind of like Luke McFarlane that we talked about in Bros and in other movies, (laughs) Um, who uh, he's kind of like a flip side where Rupert Everett has, as Rowan said, actively talked about how difficult it has been for him to continue to get roles after he came out in the 2000s. But in this movie, he has a relatively small part as the older Patrick. But is really fantastic, even though he doesn't have many speaking lines, his physical acting is, fan- is amazing. One particular highlight for me is when he tries to steal some cigarettes from the older Marion and they just all cascade onto his lap. I, I adore Rupert Everett in this movie and I will watch anything that he is in. But we are introduced by Rupert Everett's character, the older Patrick, being brought from, we assume, the hospital to Marion's house, where he is going to continue to receive care. Marion actively talks about um, how she doesn't want him to go into a home, but their relationship isn't clear to us at the moment. We aren't sure how they know one another, um, but she seems pretty hell bent on caring for him.
1: She's done all the research, she's Googled Googled all the things. And then her, we assume husband arrives home and it's clear that he is not so okay with this plan. Essentially this movie is across two timelines. So we have the older versions of Patrick, Tom and Marion. And then we flash back to their younger versions. We move between different time periods within their life as well. And we kind of go backwards to learn more about a scene that we've previously seen. And so a lot of this movie is about the reveal of what these hints, at relate different kinds of complexities or arguments or past in their relationship are, are actually meaning. So the fact that we don't know exactly what's going on with the three of them at first is kind of indicative of how we explore their relationship the entire movie
0: Mm -hmm. something we do know is that tom wants nothing to do with patrick even though he has this other man in his house who needs it seems round the clock care he hasn't gone into his room he hasn't said hello he hasn't seen him and we see patrick ask actively after tom like asking where he is so we think that something around there is there our first big flashback is when marion and tom her husband meet which is on a a really cold looking beach. Mm-hmm. And they end up conversing. I mean, Harry Styles looks great. That hair, fantastic.
1: It's fantastic the whole way through the movie. Harry Styles' hair is uh, is the MVP, I truly believe. It's, fan- it's so swoopy.
0: Harry Styles' hair should have been in the beginning credits before Harry Styles, to be completely honest.
1: Absolutely stunning.
0: So they end up courting Tom and Marion... Tom teaches Marion how to swim. I'm pretty sure at some point, Marion kicks him in the balls when they're in the Lido, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an adorable little moment. She
1: does. We we love a bit of physical comedy. And it's very much like two very uh, opposites attract vibes. We learn that Tom apparently normally goes after like bimbos, basically. (laughs) The 1950s version of bimbos, which I think is just like busty women is how it's described. Mm -hmm. Whereas Marion is this very demure, very sweet, innocent school teacher. They have this you know, very reciprocal, teachy relationship where he's teaching her how to swim and being all bold about it. And then he wants to know a bit more about art. And so she is taking him to the library on these cute little dates. So this is all this is all within Ma- older Marion's sort of memory. We see her sort of staring out of the window and we loo, 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 like go into her memory. So this is how she's remembering the beginning of their relationship.
0: And this is also where the problem of Harry Styles begins rearing its ugly head. So I in my notes I initially say, is this a character choice of Harry being so wooden? <laughs> that does sound like a, a valid character mm. choice for a for somebody who is a bit laddie, maybe not as in touch mm. with his emotions.
1: It could have been.
0: It could have been. But as we go on, it just seems that Harry Styles is not capable of he's capable of saying the lines, and very little else.
1: Yeah, I also felt the same way. Like as I was watching, you'd watched it slightly before me. And so I I knew that your feelings about Harry Styles in this movie were not overly positive. Um, you didn't give too much away, but I believe that you sent me three messages in a row that was just, oh no, oh no, Harry. Oh no, he's out of his depth. Yes, Which I feel like was kind of how I felt as well. So I've recently been watching House of the Dragon and that also has the dual uh, timeline. There's like multiple actors playing the same character at different ages. And I really felt the connection between those characters. I really felt that the younger one had grown up and become the older one. And there were techniques that were done on set apparently to make that happen. So for example, they would have the younger actresses do the older actresses scenes and vice versa. They were really thinking about how are we gonna make it seem like, not just with their hair or their costumes, but with their performances that they were the same. Jessica, did you feel like there was a connection between the younger and the older versions of these characters?
0: I actually, for the first maybe like half an hour, 40 minutes, I thought that Rupert Everett was playing the older Harry Styles because I wasn't really mm. paying attention to the names very much. But I, th- I think this was one of the biggest problems was the disconnect between the performances of the older and younger characters of Tom specifically. And also to a certain extent, marion but to less less so i just did not believe and did not understand how they were meant to be the same person there weren't very Mm. many of the same mannerisms there wasn't the same tone in speaking they could have done stuff like giving the same like regional accent or something along those lines but it took me quite a while for me to cotton on that oh those are Meant to be the two same people.
1: Yeah. And for me with with Harry's acting, not to just rag on Harry, but I do think Oh no, is, go go after I do think him, it, girl. I'm not going to not talk about it because it was kind of very obvious within the movie that he was kind of out of his depth, bless him. But it was... His lines were all delivered so one note and it was so obvious when he was in a scene with Emma Corrin, for example. They had little changes, little intonations, little mannerisms. They were very much in the character and were reacting to the lines that... Mm. Harry's character was was saying it didn't feel the same the other way around it was like okay these lines have been memorized but they aren't coming organically and I think the moments at which that was most obvious were any moment in which his character had to have an emotional outburst which happens mm-hmm. a few times in the movie so you will see Harry having like a particular word that he decides that he's going to shout or he's going to slam his hands down or mm-hmm. get in someone's face but he can't continue that energy because it isn't authentic. He's not really feeling it. So he's able to do that initial one burst of a shout, Mm. but he can't sustain that emotion across the rest of the line. And it sort of just loops back to how he was speaking before the outburst. And I think that that's like a shame because this kind of plot revolves around pretty much only looking at these three characters and the complexities of their inner lives and their relationship. I won't say it's all Harry because I also think that the writing isn't necessarily the mm-hmm. best and the directing, like, it's not particularly inspiring in general, but there really was no subtext with with Harry's performance. And so I think we didn't really even get a sense of like this inner world that was happening. I really felt like Patrick's character was potentially the only one that I felt like there was something else going on, especially the actor who played young Patrick was one of my favorites. I think. Uh, yeah, he was him, really, really him good. And, him and Rupert Everett, da- David Dawson and Rupert Everett, I think who both played Patrick at different ages were like leagues more interesting to me than than the others
0: 100 mm-hmm, in the story we are getting continuing to have flashbacks from Marion's perspective of how these three characters met so from her perspective tom ends up inviting a friend that he's met through performing an arrest for him to take Marion to go and see an art gallery and have a private tour with patrick with this other character um, and they end up basically going on thruple dates together. And mm-hmm. I really want there to be—I want to see the story and live in the universe where the three of them end up having kind of like this polyamorous relationship, and everything's fine, and everything's, <laughs> everything's just fine. nice. <laughs>
1: They just are vibing. It's a classic period piece moment of like, let's just do so many montages and like essentially the same scene over and over again of the three of them going on various arty dates together. And mm-hmm. it's at this point in the movie where, I mean, you've kind of spoiled because everyone knows it's Harry Styles' gay movie. And <laughs> yeah. You know that the gay is going to come. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it's kind of this idea of she as this demure school teacher is much more obviously suited to Patrick, who is this, you know, art curator, who is you know, sensitive and has the same interests as her and doesn't fall asleep at the opera like Tom does. But you know she loves Tom and she insists that she does, but you're not, at this point, I guess if you didn't know the gay twist, you might be like, oh, is Tom gonna get really jealous? Is he gonna, is that gonna cause arguments? All of this kind of stuff. But this is all, as we said, from her point of view. Mm-hmm. So all of this kind of culminates in Tom deciding to propose to Marion, this this relationship gets to that point, which is quite funny because she sort of seems like, I guess, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah do you <laughs> will
0: like you think, me? Like he, he goes, will you think about it? And about you, she thinks about it and says yes. So says
1: yes. <laughs>
0: and this is where we cut back and we start to see Marion. She's washing Patrick at um, because he's pretty immobile. He's not got a lot of speech and he needs that kind of care. And we see her starting to go through his personal artifacts and read his diaries and we start to understand the perspective from Tom and Patrick. So it turns out, in their flashback, they knew each other before Tom met Marion. And Plot twist, everyone. I know, It was all Carla. a lie. So they end up swapping details because Tom helps Patrick with a disturbance on the street somewhere. They go and knock on a Doctor Who police box, go running down the street, and then Patrick is like, "Oh, a sexy policeman. Yes, please, very much. Thank you. And he gives Tom his card. That's
1: a direct quote from his diary in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Probably.
0: In that voice, too. <laughs> and Patrick invites Tom around to maybe pose for a portrait.
1: If you know what I mean. If you Paint know him, what I mean. Like one, one mean. of your French girls, Patrick.
0: <laughs> Not a single French girl on his on his wall. It's all men. So he ends up doing this, this sketch of Tom. Uh, and uh, in order to loosen the mood, they start drinking scotch. And three scotches in, uh, the classic comes out where Tom says do you think the sketch is going to be good? Basically saying, do you think I'm fit? And then Tom touches Patrick's neck and then they have a quick blowy on the couch. And that's nice, isn't it?
1: That's wonderful for, you know, those who partake. And this is, you know, all big plot twists that we obviously already knew from the entire marketing of the (laughs) movie and everything, but it's like, okay, sweet. And it's, one of the things I did find slightly confusing in this movie is, how much Marion knew or didn't know beforehand about this. Cause she clearly like, she doesn't want to read this diary at first. So we know that it has stuff in it that she knows she doesn't want to read, but then she starts reading, but we find out later that she does know about their relationship. So I guess it's implied that she knows that they had a relationship, but she doesn't know any of the details and that Tom's like, never talked to her about it. And so reading the diary is the first time that she's finding out exactly like when it started and how it went and how she fit into it, I guess.
0: This is also where we end up seeing some of the uh, the context of gay life in the 1950s and and shows why this is a would be a really difficult life for Tom to choose. And he actively says, this is not a life that I want to do, living in the shadows. We see Patrick going out to the Argyle, which is still a pub and a hotel that you can uh, go to, uh, which used to be a cruising spot in the 1950s. And uh, we also learn from Patrick that his ex-lover was beaten to death by policemen. Mm-hmm. Despite all of this, they end up getting married everyone gets married no just it's tom the, and
1: the will get married in the 1950s it's beautiful no tom and tom and marion get married and this leads us into
0: the wedding party and its aftermath baby
1: For long-time listeners of the show will know, and new-time listeners, you're just learning, uh, every gay movie seems to have an act that you could call the party in its aftermath. So yes, this is the wedding party in its aftermath, in which there is a character who is played by Freya something I've forgotten her name but she played Minnie in the third generation of Skins and I literally have not seen her in anything since and I suddenly had a flash and remembered her because she just has this one very small moment where she looks over to Tom and Patrick like at the wedding day and clearly knows that they're gay and she she's just like oh I see that like oh, as Marion's like I'm the happiest I've ever been and this character who's Marion's friend is like oh, you've got a big storm ahead of you. Bless. Who like, she comes back later for like one scene, but I was like, I really enjoy this random character that they threw in to like really signpost the audience. Like, remember they're gay and this is the <laughs> wedding? What the fuck, my dudes? Like what's happening here?
0: They end up going on, Tom and Marion, end up going on a honeymoon to a beautiful little cottage that I would love to rent for the weekend.
1: It's stunning.
0: It's really gorgeous. Very Instagrammable. I stick it on Airbnb. It's almost definitely an Airbnb where they have straight sex for the first time Mm -hmm. and oh boy, does it not look as fun as when Harry and Patrick were having sex.
1: Yep, and then he says possibly the worst sentence you can think of (laughs) after having sex with someone for the first time, which is, sorry, I'll be better next time, which is like, oh, oh wow, you've got a whole life of this to look forward to, Marion. And then it turns out, Tom's invited Patrick to the honeymoon.
0: Of course. Let's invite our gay lover. Let's invite our gay lover to my straight honeymoon. 100%. Patrick comes along, makes some beef bourguignon, and then riles up Tom to the point of um, him losing his rag and slamming the table, which is, I'm acting. I'm acting.
1: And specifically manages to rile him up around the idea of whether or not they're going to have kids. And when they do have kids, whether Marion will give up her job or like, kind of keep being able to work. And Patrick is like, yeah, you should be able to keep working. Like you've got this career, but Tom's very like, no, a housewife belongs in the house, like looking Mm -hmm. after the children. And. Uh, you know, I, I said this to you earlier, Jazza. But there is a world in which this, the writing of this and the performance of this, is such that this could be a really interesting exploration of how the internalized homophobia that someone might have can ultimately not just destroy themselves, but the people around them in mm. the way that it forces you to perform this like toxic form of masculinity mm-hmm. and to really dig into these gender roles to to compensate. But in, but that's not what happened here. So moving on.
0: Yeah. So we end up still during the honeymoon. Marion wakes up and oh, the, the dishes are still here from the beef pork in your Where are the where are the two gentlemen? But in where my are life? the men? <laughs> yeah, but where are the men? Well the men are in the outhouse, um, mm-hmm. sensually cradling one another.
1: And she's like, I might have missed every single sign before now, but this feels pretty definitive. Um yeah, yeah. My oh husband's no. a gay. Yeah. <laughs> my husband daisy. is a homosexual.
0: <laughs> whoopsie daisy. But she manages to bury that deep, deep down, and then just fuck him again. Uh, Just to to try. Real deep down. And Harry Styles' character did promise to uh, be better next time. It didn't it. It didn't.
1: Maybe next, maybe next, next time.
0: Next, next time, eventually. It's a long project, Marion, keep at it. So we're back in day-to-day lives now. Marion is taking some of the school kids to the museum where Patrick works. And Patrick announces to her, oh, by the way, Tom's coming on holiday with me to Venice. Mm. Gay getaway.
1: So the funniest thing about this is uh, Patrick and Tom have talked about this and Patrick insists that he be the one to tell her. It's like, oh, don't worry, I'll do it literally the worst way he possibly could have done it because he makes it sound like, oh, didn't Tom tell you, bitch? (laughs) Didn't your husband (laughs) tell you? Um, It looks like I have a closer relationship to him than you do. This is also around the time when Marion has a discussion with that one wedding guest I mentioned, played by that girl from Skins, where essentially this girl's like, okay, so what are you going to do about your husband? You think your husband might be being tempted by this guy Mm, i hate to tell you i think he's been tempted like Mm -hmm. i kind of hate to break it to you but you can't like un-gay this man (laughs) like this is not gonna you're not gonna be able to like tempt him away from the worlds of patrick like if he's already into patrick he's into like you can't stuff that gay back in the box (laughs) and and it's like wow how do you know all this about homosexuality and she's like isn't it obvious i'm your lesbian fairy godmother (laughs) and yes there's this very awkward idea of like oh so like Two seconds ago, you were my friend and now you feel about me completely differently. Mm -hmm. And that's just like a random scene. And then it's like, okay, back to these three, the only three people in the movie.
0: Hello, dear listener, it's Jazza here, just reading some ads for you. As I'm sure you're aware, we are part of the wonderful Multitude who create loads of really fantastic podcasts for your ear canals, and we like to give a shout out to one of our siblings from Multitude every single week. And this time, it's the turn of Join the Party. Join the Party is an actual play podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators who just make each other laugh each week. DM Eric and the emphatic players Amanda, Brandon and Julia welcome everyone to the table, from long-time tabletop RPG players to folks who've never touched a role-playing game in their lives. If you're not sure where to start, hop into the Campaign, a monster of the week story set in a weird and wild summer camp, or you can marathon the D&D game with Campaign 2 for a modern-day comic book superpowered story, and Campaign 1, for a high fantasy epic. Whatever adventure you choose, you are invited to hang out with that crew each month for their after-party, a session held to discuss campaigns, joke around and answer any listener questions. So my dear friends, what are you waiting for? Are you a DD and d nerd like me and Rowan? I can recommend join the party, wholeheartedly, pull up a chair and join the party just search for join the party in your podcast app or go to join the party pod one word .com. we are also continuing to be supported by squarespace who can help you buy a domain and create a website we in the past have talked about how we love using squarespace for our website creation giving us access to analytics the creation of email campaigns because now that twitter's dying, I feel like email newsletters are the only way to go forward. Uh, And also, it's a handy place for us to connect all of our social media in one place. We know you hear a lot of your favourite media offering their own discount codes, but it would really mean a lot if you chose to support us by using R1 here at the Queer Movie Podcast. All you need to do is go to squarespace.com queermovie and when you're all set up to make all of your digital dreams come true, you can use the offer code QueerMovie to save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase of a website or domain. Just go to squarespace.com slash QueerMovie. Now, back to the show. I'll be honest, it's Venice where I kind of started losing interest in this movie
1: which is wild because venice is i believe in act three in which has uh harry Styles' naked butt in it right
0: it 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 does and you know what i did this is what i'm calling the third act is glory to harry's bum because they play gloria over the the montage of venice and uh harry looking out a venetian window Mm -hmm. with his bare ass exposed i
1: think it does say something that you lost the plot at the point in which this was happening like this maybe is a real real death toll for this this (laughs) movie in your eyes
0: there's a there's a joke there about his ass being a death toll um but he like it is a beautiful shot but i'm i just wasn't that interested in the rest of the movie to be completely honest but this is where all of the drama is Mm. because it turns out and we find out later well, no, I won't spoil, I won't spoil this, but... Um,
1: you won't spoil it for the next five minutes? Yeah. Okay, go um, on. Tell, they get, tell it how the movie explains it to us in order.
0: They get home from Venice and uh, Patrick is visited by, not his policeman, but by some other policeman because somebody oh, no. has sent an anonymous letter to his work saying, by the way, your employee is a homosexual and could be dangerous for children. He gets arrested, he has to go on trial, marion is like, "Oh my God, don't worry about it." Tom admits everything to marion and is like, "I don't think he. I don't know if he says he loves him, but like, oh my God, it's really bad." It's
1: like you're not really sure whether he's like, "Oh no, my darling Patrick," or whether he's like, "They could find out about me." Well, that's the most important thing.
0: I wonder, and so marion agrees to be a witness, a character witness for Patrick. And this is not an exaggeration. This is exactly what used to happen when people were convicted of buggery in the 1950s. Um, So enjoy that fact, dear listener. But she is up on the stand and says, oh, yeah, he was like really good with the kids at the museum, blah, 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 blah. And on cross-examination, they read the diary entry that Patrick wrote about Tom, where he calls Tom his dear policeman. And then he goes, and... Marion, what is your husband's profession? And she goes, A policeman. And then dun, 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 dun. Say, it, say
1: it clearer, say it louder, Marion. We couldn't hear you. And she's like, a policeman. Oh Dun 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 with that cross examination, he has been sentenced to go to prison. Tom can't visit him, but Marion does. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also at this point in which I was like, I wanted there to be a more clear sort of relationship between tom and patrick in terms of like whether or not tom actually loved patrick Mm. or not
0: well they told us it a lot they told us it. yeah
1: but i wanted like that thing i just talked about about the idea of like tom was more concerned with his own saving his own skin for example i think it's much more impactful for him The reason why, which I feel like was implied in the modern day, that the reason why he can't go into the room with Patrick is because of his own guilt Mm -hmm. and his own like feelings. And I didn't get that at all in the in the younger relationship. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been much more impactful for him to have been like racked with the guilt of like what I've done.
0: I actually felt like he didn't he couldn't go in. And I I see this because of the interaction that we see older Tom have when he sees the gay couple in the shop Mm. where I think he's just he would have been so scared to have, like, lived that life and accepted that life. And he talks about it when um, he first hooks up with Patrick as well. Like, this is not a life that I want to lead. And why he ends up choosing to marry Marion, because he says that it's a career choice. Like, in The, um, in the Force, they say that bachelors, bachelors don't do as yeah. well.
1: I think to me, it's a combination, right? It's mm. like, I couldn't imagine my life like this. But in not being able to give up Patrick, in continuing this relationship with him rather than just being straight as I should be with Marion, I've like doomed him. And so I'm not able to go to the room, like for those two reasons, right? Because I, I feel guilty for what happened in the past and like being the cause of that downfall and like not ever being brave enough mm-hmm. to feel like I could be with him. And like, mm-hmm. maybe that time has run out for me and like all of those things. Like, but, but I feel like we're projecting some of this onto the movie, if you see what I mean? Like there were yeah. elements that were definitely there, but I feel like a lot of this is me thinking, what would the character feel in that scenario? And what mm-hmm. would be enough for him to not just not talk to this guy for all this time, but want nothing to do with him when he clearly is like, just had a stroke and needs someone in his life. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that about?
0: And I'm also still, re- it's, talking of that, and just to tug at that thread, I still am unclear why Marion has brought Patrick to their home in order to care for him like we get the thing of she thinks that care homes are really really bad but I don't I still don't really understand what I her think that
1: I was. think that's her guilt because mm. here we go Dylan. oh yeah you know, the here big we go plot twist that we haven't mentioned yet that we kept secret about five minutes is Marion was the one And we only find that out and Tom only finds it out in the older storyline. She's kept this a secret for decades. Marion was the one that called in the tip. Marion was the one that sent that letter to his employer. So she is the reason why he was put in prison. And although she clearly like realized her mistake and tried to stick up for him, we know it didn't work. He still went to jail. And so it's, I think that the reason why she brought him in is because she is also guilt. And we also see like in prison, he gets like beaten up. He Mm -hmm. gets treated appallingly. And like, we don't know whether any of that has potential brain damage from the amount of kicking that boy's skull was getting has contributed to his ill health. Mm -hmm. But even if it hasn't just the idea of like, I see this man who used to be so full of life and joy and art reduced to this and knowing that she has something to do with it. I do think that that guilt is like part of that element. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes
0: that does make sense to me.
1: But that's something that I just decided and that isn't necessarily explicitly said in the movie. And things don't explicitly need to be said in movies, but I feel like I am to something more from mm-hmm. it because essentially the end of the movie arrives. Marion makes this confession. We've seen in flashbacks what she thought had happened in their life. She's read the diary and figured out what happened, like filled in those blanks. As far as I remember it, and I say remember, I literally watched it yesterday. So as far as I caught, they don't explain what happened in all of these decades between other than, I guess, Marion and Tom continue to be married and then they just never saw Patrick again? Because he was only in jail for two years, right? We have
0: no idea. And what I don't know, so her decision is to leave Tom to be a full-time carer of this man that we assume he hasn't seen in four decades.
1: Mm-hmm. And who maybe doesn't necessarily want to see him. Yeah,
0: and from her perspective, all she knows is that Patrick loves Tom She's never had that conversation with Tom. She's never had that conversation to know whether or not Tom actually loved Patrick. And so I found this ending absolutely bananas. And I did not understand in any way, shape or form. Because the movie very much frames it as Marion is now free. She's in the taxi driving along the coast.
1: That's the end of the movie.
0: And then she cries and it's like, I'm free of this horrible situation that I have created and then we're meant to feel happy for Tom now being in this situation with this man that he doesn't know but it's okay because Harry Styles comes back and touches Rupert Everett's neck I hated the end of this movie I absolutely bloody despised it I didn't know what I was meant to take away from it but I didn't I don't think we should be taken away from it that oh thank god like I I think that Marion having that catharsis that is not what I wanted out of this movie. Mm. And I didn't feel like there was this great Sarcos lovers finally reunited with with Tom and Patrick. It was a bit, it was a mess of an ending. It was an absolute mess of an ending. Yeah. No me Gusta.
1: Yeah, I agree that there was like a real non-reaction from Tom to her being like, yeah, so I was the one who like destroyed our lives. Uh, yeah. The three of us like a while ago. Like it felt like the catharsis that I wanted was him being like, Like, fuck this, basically. Like, apps, like, this is how the fuck could you? Mm -hmm. That felt like more of a cathartic ending to me than, like, you said, what actually happens, which is that she tells him this and then is like, and I've realized what's my life even been since then. Like, oh, I just stayed married to you, you're gay. Like, okay, it was fine. And like, I like you and whatever, but like, who am I? I need to find myself. Bye. Peace out. I'm leaving. Enjoy you're like Rupert Everett who is going to need round the clock care
0: Mm -hmm. bye who literally can't wash himself or walk like who can't uh,
1: even get himself a smoke and god does he want to smoke the whole way through this movie just mm -hmm. give the man a cigarette and so yeah the ending is one of those things where you look at it for like two seconds like the, the imagery of it of like oh they're finally reunited touching again whatever and you're like for half a second you're like how sweet and then you think of any of the implications and you're like oh this is horrific like this is not this is really bizarre in terms of what actually happens and then the way that it's framed as some kind of like we kind of just like leave them like the gays have like one second together and then it's like more importantly marion is in a taxi <laughs> she's so gonna yes, stay agreed. with her
0: sister who knows what happens next right the end this
1: mo- <laughs> so the end of the movie <laughs> So at this point is when we give our ratings. So this is what we thought of the movie and we rate them out of these six stripes of the rainbow flag. We give it a, a number of stripes and we choose the colours based on the symbolic meaning of the colours in these six-stripe rainbow flag. So red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony or purple for spirit. Jazza, how many stripes are you giving my policeman?
0: I really liked... Both David Dawson and Rupert Everett's portrayals of Patrick. I also really liked the small windows that we saw into life in the 1950s that were kind of like representative.
1: For a second, I thought you were going to say the small windows in that cottage. It was beautiful architecture. (laughs) I also loved
0: that cottage.
1: Oh, it was beautiful. And not going to lie,
0: Harry Styles' is bum, great. High quality stuff. I don't think this deserves any more than two.
1: Mm, I'd have to agree. What two are you giving it?
0: And I'm going to give it nature because that cottage is beautiful. And also the East Sussex coast, very pretty, lots of white cliffs. Yep. And I'm going to give it spirit for that historical context that it gave me.
1: That's stunning. I'm going to give it green for nature and blue for harmony. Not because I believe in like the harmony of any of the characters or the ending, but just because there was some uh, opera singing and (laughs) they do that in harmony. Beautiful harmonies. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's a two stripe, uh, two stripe movie for me as well. And I think that a big, this is not a, a hot take by us. I, I think the reviews are like r- not very complimentary. And again, a lot, it's not all just ragging on Harry Styles.
0: Oh, uh, Wikipedia says mixed reviews, which does just mean bad, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. There's mm. like, it's like a forty percent on. Rotten Tomatoes or something like that like it's not it's not doing especially well and I and this isn't all just people ragging on Harry Styles like a lot of people are critiquing the director who was like a theater director and like not necessarily being able to carry that over into film I think the writing is just not deep enough for a story that has so little plot in a way Mm. like a, a lot of stuff happens but you really felt like there could have been a deeper amount of writing to make it more the characters more distinct and unique and and feel more rounded rather than just being sort of like stand-ins for the storytellers older's time of like the guy who is closeted and marries a woman but is having an affair with a man which we have seen in in these stories before but I wanted to know about them specifically and I didn't really feel like this man likes art and this man doesn't understand art and falls asleep in the opera was like a good basis for a whole personality
0: although I have met them while out On the town, Rowan. Those people do exist. And they deserve stories too.
1: Fair enough. (laughs) Thank you
0: so much for listening. If you enjoyed these episodes, then we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon as a patron you can join our queer movie club where we do watch alongs in our discord each month but that is the bare minimum that you can get my friends at higher levels you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with a curation of all of the gay shit that we find on the internet for that month
1: so thank you once again to jennifer and toby for supporting us at the highest tier on patreon we can't believe that this is happening and we have your support like this so thank you so much once again
0: Thank you. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified when our next episode comes out. We have been Jazza John and Rowan Ellis. We are edited by Julia Schiffini and are part of Multitude. Thank you once again.
1: Bye. Bye.